Well, usually at this point in the gathering, I would say that familiar line, if you have a Bible, turn with me in your Bibles too. Uh, We're actually not doing that this morning because we're doing something a little bit different. And that's that we are devoting our gathering this morning to a time of prayer and worship. And if you've been around the church for any length of time, you know that we take a couple Sundays a year to slow down and just be together and pray and worship and seek the Lord. And the reason that we do that every so often is that we believe in the power of prayer. We believe that prayer is powerful, that it changes us, that it changes reality, that God hears the prayers that we pray and often responds to the prayers that we pray as we bring those things to him. In fact, Jesus taught his disciples with these words. He said, when you pray, when you pray, meaning he assumed without even asking or thinking that his disciples would be people who pray would be a a praying people. And at one point, Jesus told them a parable to show them that they should always pray and not give up. And I always thought that's so fascinating to be the son of God, teaching your disciples and saying, you have to stick with it. You have to persevere. You can't just like throw up a a, a prayer once in a while and then just kind of let it die. Like, no, I want you to be a people who persevere in prayer. At another point in Scripture, it says, Do not grow weary in doing good, for at the proper time you will reap a harvest. So we all have a tendency to um, grow weary, I think, at some points. And even as we approach a time of prayer, I'm guessing everyone in the room has a unique obstacle to overcome when it comes to praying. It could be that you're um, fatalistic in your thinking, And you just think, oh, it it won't really matter. Prayers don't really matter. God's just going to do what he's going to do. Or the universe is just going to unfold the way it unfolds. Prayers don't really change reality. It could be um, like myself when I was a, a new Christian for years. I was terrified to pray out loud in front of other people. I don't know why. But I was like, it was just a really scary thing for me. So that was a huge hurdle I had to overcome. So whether it's uh, almost like a a theological obstacle that needs to be overcome, oh, God doesn't care, God doesn't listen, it doesn't matter, Uh, or it's an interpersonal thing that needs to be overcome, oh, man, I I really don't know how I feel about praying with people. Um, God, God knows exactly where we're at, but he's also calling us, hey, I want you to lean in, I want you to persevere and push through some of those obstacles and boundaries. Uh, Your prayers might be opposed. Your prayers might take time to actually uh, see them come to fulfillment. It, It may take perseverance, but we want to be a people who persevere, who don't grow weary, who I know how to pray and lift things up in prayer together because we believe in the power of prayer. Despite all the wrestling in our own hearts, despite all the reasons we might avoid that or do something else, it always comes back to that, that fact that we believe in the power of prayer, that it changes reality. And uh, I was thinking as we were heading into this time this morning, oh man, Prayer can be something that we shy away from. I think the average American church kind of shies away from corporate prayer, yet we believe that's where some of the best stuff happens. And I just had this moment of thinking, when we, if you put your hope and trust in Jesus and his resurrection, you will one day be resurrected into the eternal kingdom of God. And I just think, how many of us are going to stand there at the edge of eternity 
looking back on these short lives that we've lived and say to ourselves, I wish I wouldn't have prayed so much. <laughs> like, I wish I wouldn't have devoted that much time to prayer. No, like when we're standing there in resurrected bodies and we finally understand who God is and how this world and what he was doing behind the scenes and the way our prayers were advancing the kingdom of God, we'll, we're, all of us are going to look back from that place and say, I wish I had prayed more. I wish I had become a person of prayer. I wish we had been a people of prayer because now I see the role that that plays in advancing the kingdom of God. So we're going to take time to pray this morning, believing that the prayers that we lift up are actually going to change reality, are actually going to matter and open new doors for the sake of the kingdom of God. And we're going to pray in line with the way that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. He told his disciples to pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So that's going to be our, our theme for this morning, the prayer that we're going to be praying. And we are believing that this is a prayer that God wants to answer and that God wants to honor as we lift it up to him. What is the kingdom of God? I would say the kingdom of God is the place where God is king. It's the place where his will is done. And Jesus said that that kingdom is near at hand, that it's at our fingertips, that it's accessible to us in and through the person of Jesus and what he accomplished in his death on the cross and in his resurrection three days later. So we're going to pray that prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we're going to pray that in three rounds this morning with a different focus in each round. And we're going to start by focusing on our city, on the city of Spokane. So I'm going to invite Catherine up to get us started with our first round of prayer. All right. Good morning. Um, yeah, my name is Catherine. So uh, when Matt first texted me this, your kingdom come, your will be done in Spokane as it is in heaven, um, I was thinking back to how I have said these words since I was in kindergarten every week. We all know this prayer, but um, I don't feel like I ever pause to focus on your kingdom come, your will be done um, very long, just kind of skipped over those words. Um, and, you know, I always was asking God, reveal your will to me. Like, what is your will? But really in the heart of that, I just wanted him to hand me over a decision for what was my college major and what was my career um, I thought that was him showing me my will. But uh, the reality is God's will isn't a profession. It is how we live. And God's will is the perfect example of Jesus. And Jesus painted the perfect picture of what it looks like for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. He draws near to the outcasts and he invites them in and he listens to them. And he calls them son and daughter and makes them belong. And he cares for the basic human needs of food, water, friendship. He heals and calms the storm. And he loves always unconditionally and perfectly. So when we take this example and we surrender to Jesus and we feel the Holy Spirit pull on our heart, we are obedient to his calling. That is how the kingdom of God comes to Spokane. We are called to follow Jesus' lead. 
So we, the church body, have different callings and gifts that God has given us. And um, I'd like to share my example of Young Lives, which is a teen mom ministry here in Spokane, and how River's Edge has been a part of that, where the kingdom of God comes to Spokane. So a couple years ago, Matt was asked if the ministry could use this building to host their group. And he agreed, and he invited them open with welcoming arms to use this space for them, for the teen moms. Um, the coordinator then presented at our church, and there were multiple people in our church that felt called to belong to this ministry. Um, it wasn't for everybody, and that's okay, because it isn't everybody's calling. It might not be where the Holy Spirit was leading them. But uh, God then made the path very clear for me to actually be a coordinator for Young Lives um, for a certain part of Spokane. And I've continued watching our church body um, with Janice and Raven and some of their small group providing meals and feeding the hungry. And Tori and Britton and Karen have become mentors, committing their lives to um, knowing these girls deeply and helping them know that they are known and loved and providing hope. And even last week, um, Nick and Tori led a worship night for us where there were about 30 people with the Young Life that gathered and just prayed for the youth over our community. So we have different gifts and we have different callings on our hearts, um, but acting together as the body is how God's kingdom comes. And we as the church are called to follow Jesus's perfect picture for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done here in Spokane as it is in heaven when we're obedient to this uh, spirit's specific callings and following God's will. And when that happens, when the kingdom of God comes, the lonely find belonging and the furthest out are called in, and peace touches the unimaginable. Miracles heal the sick. Hope floods the soul. Freedom releases the broken, and life overcomes death. My moms, my teen moms get to taste a little bit of this as we come together as a body to provide that. So today, um, as we pray for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done in Spokane, I want to lift up three specific areas. Um, I want to talk about or pray about the churches in Spokane because um, they are just very different across the board. We have some that have dwindled in numbers. We have some that are changing leadership or going through big transitions. Um, some are still feeling the impacts from COVID or kind of recession times and um, just being united in Spokane uh, through different churches, being united as one body for the kingdom. Uh, I want us to pray for the homeless. I know um, we all know this is right outside our door. This is right down the street as we drive home. Um, we go into winter and we see that it's so cold and we just um, help us to provide shelter and food and freedom from addictions and really just hearts to remember um, that these are God's children and boldness for people to welcome them and love them um, and show Jesus's kindness because I know we have a heart for them. Um, and then I just wanna pray for youth. So I'm with Young Lives as a part of Young Life um, and kind of Gen Z and alphas are the generation after Gen Z. But um, I think that sometimes we kind of, I, I'm talking very broad, but we might like rag on them or judge them. Um, and I just wanna pray that we see the strengths that this generation is going to bring up for God's kingdom and um, the fire and boldness that they have um, and us getting to work near to the youth. And they are desperate for authenticity and, and truth. And um, I mean, we are helping raise up this generation, all of our children in this church. 
And so just pray for those um, being called to youth ministry here in Spokane, battling tough questions and situations. So I think, are you coming back up? Or, oh, okay. I was going to say circle up. Uh, thanks so much, Catherine, for leading us into that. What we're going to do next is we're going to circle up in groups of three to five and spend some time in prayer specifically for the things that Catherine mentioned. And if you're new to Jesus, if you're new to the church, if you're terrified to pray out loud, you don't have to pray out loud. You can just hang out and just agree with the prayers that are being prayed. But if you're comfortable with that, our thoughts, our hearts are focused on Jesus and his kingdom, and we're going to pray that that kingdom would continue to break into our city over the course of these next few minutes in prayer. So go ahead, and, and you can mess up the room. You can circle up your chairs, and let's begin praying together. You can grab a seat for a moment while I introduce our next round of prayer. We're actually going to do two rounds of prayer in a row and then close with a couple songs of worship before we head out the door. But for this next round of prayer, I want us to pray for the Philippines. Uh, many of you know that after focusing almost exclusively on this church for most of the last decade that God has spoken to our family about moving to the Philippines and partnering with Kim and Smile and some of the other leaders that we have there in uh, raising up leaders, planting new churches, and taking the gospel further and further across that nation and to surrounding nations. Uh, for those who don't know, the Philippines are a chain of islands in Southeast Asia off the coast of Thailand and Cambodia. They're sort of uh, south of China and uh, north of Indonesia and Australia and that uh, region of the world. There are 7,000 islands that make up the Philippines, 2,000 of which are inhabited. And the leaders in the Philippines who we are partnering with are carrying a dream of seeing an, a church planted on every inhabited island in the Philippines, on all 2,000 inhabited islands, which I assume will take decades to, to do. Uh, but across those islands are hundreds of people groups and actually hundreds of languages as well, uh, many of which have very minimal exposure to the gospel. And they already have uh, doors opening up in several different tribal groups where there's essentially no gospel presence. But our team in the Philippines is, um, has an opportunity to go in there and begin preaching the gospel. And they've already seen people uh, begin getting baptized and coming to Christ in that context. So we will be moving there in October, which is 11 of next year, 11 months from now, to partner with them however we can in raising up leaders, in planting new churches, and taking the gospel further and further across the Philippines and surrounding nations. In fact, uh, they already have doors opening up for ministry and church planting in some of the nations around them, including Taiwan, South Korea, Malaysia, India, and others that are around that. And if you were to draw a big circle around those countries that I just mentioned, uh, that pocket of the world is the most unreached people group on earth, is that pocket in Southeast Asia. And so uh, we, and we believe God's calling our family not just to the Philippines, but to be a gospel presence in that region and to advance the gospel across those nations that I just mentioned. So our family has been praying over the Philippines and the surrounding nations, God, may your kingdom come 
May your will be done in the Philippines as it is in heaven. God, give us more islands. God, open up more doors for the gospel to be preached. God, give us more leaders and more baptisms and more church plants. God, may your kingdom come in this place as it is in heaven. So we're going to pray now for the Philippines. But as we do, I want to read these verses over us. This is Isaiah 42, and it's a set of verses that uh, you might even hear read during Advent sometimes as we step into the Advent season, but I've been praying these over the Philippines, and I'll invite you to pray them with me this morning. In context, this is God speaking to Isaiah about the Messiah who is to come, and this is what he says. God says, here is my servant who I, whom I'm, I uphold, my chosen one in whom I delight. I will put my spirit on him, and he will bring justice to the nations. He will not shout or cry out or raise his voice in the streets. A bruised reed he will not break, and a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. In faithfulness he will bring forth justice, and he will not falter or be discouraged till he establishes justice on earth. In his teachings, the, the islands will put their hope. And that last line has just been resonating in my heart as we've begun praying for the Philippines. Uh, in, in you, God, the islands will put their hope. May the islands put their hope in you. God, give us more islands. Give us more nations as we move that way for your sake. So as we circle up here in a moment and pray, uh, you can pray for more baptisms, more outreach, and more evangelism. Uh, in the Philippines and the surrounding nations. Pray for more leaders and more church plants. They want to see hundreds, if not thousands, of new leaders and new church plants raised up there. And pray for more islands and more unreached people groups uh, to come within grasp and to see the gospel advance there. So go ahead. You can circle up in those same groups. We're going to take a few minutes to pray for this before we move on to the next. Yeah. Thank you, Andy. And thank you guys so much for having us today, Matt. I appreciate you letting us share today. Um, yeah, so my name is Sam Burns. My wife is Alex. We have two kids, two little girls, Isabella, who's one and a half, and Selah, who's six and a half, and they're downstairs. If you listen closely, you'll probably hear them. Um, so a few things I want to share today are a little bit nuts, and it starts with uh, this nut. Who knows what this is right here? How many of you guys enjoy, yes, a cashew. How many of you guys enjoy cashews? And how many of you thought about where cashews come from? Cashew tree? Yes, actually, there is a cashew tree. And they grow on a fruit that looks like this. So every cashew that you eat comes from a big fruit of this size. And they can juice it as well. It makes a really yummy juice. One of the fascinating facts about the Amazon, and they grow wild down there. The Amazon, the Brazilian Amazon, where we're hoping to go, is a vast place. Uh, I've got a picture I wanted to show you guys for some perspective. This is the, the whole of the Amazon, and here you can see the Brazilian outline, but it, it expands into several other countries as well. And this is a geographically accurate outline of the continental United States overlaid over it. It's about the size of two-thirds of the continental United States. Right here in the middle, where these two big rivers come together, is a city called Manaus. Two million people, and it's sort of the metropolitan hub of the Amazon. And it has one highway that comes in from the south and quickly turns into a dirt road. 
and one road that goes up to the north. That's the interstate system for this vast region. The rest of it is navigable only by rivers or by airplanes. Now, if you could put the next picture up there. This is what the rivers look like. So it's not the easiest place to navigate when you're out of the, the major river systems that run east to west. These are what the tributaries look like. And there are hundreds of people groups all throughout that region living along these river systems. And over one third of the people groups living in this area have no presence of the gospel in their community. Some of them are indigenous. Some of them are just what they call hibirinos, people who've moved to this region and created communities along the river. Some of them are hundreds of years old, dating back to um, escaped slaves, slaves that escaped from different parts of Brazil and moved up here and set up colonies, uh, deserted rubber industry communities. Um, what, there's a number of reasons these communities form, but they're all throughout here, and over a third of them have not even a presence of the gospel. And there's many more that have a pastor working in them who's pastoring a church that includes only his family. So it's a very difficult region. It's, in many ways, what we think of when we think of the ends of the earth. There's, there are unreached people here, and, and they're unreached because they're difficult to get to. And so what, what have we found in Manaus? Well, Manaus obviously is a, is a big metropolis. It has an international airport with nonstop flights to Miami. And it also has hospitals, business centers, grocery stores. Um, and located in Manaus is an organization that we found that is seeking to do everything that they can to support missionaries and pastors working in the most remote parts of the Brazilian Amazon. And they developed a plan. They did research for years. What is it that we could do to support these pastors and missionaries? The first thing they identified, obviously, is logistical barriers. How can we help these missionaries get around more effectively and more safely with their families? We went down there a couple weeks ago. It was our third trip to Manaus. And we stayed at a missions house and met with a lady who is in the process of helping with a Bible translation in a community somewhat near Manaus. It's a one-hour flight. Without the plane, I asked her, how long does it take to make your commute? Four days, several different boats, and it's not like government-funded ferry systems. These are, you get to the community and you walk around near the river and hope you find someone that can take you for the next day. She's a single woman, and she makes this commute when the plane's not available. With the plane, she can do it in one hour. Uh, we talked to, when I was there, actually, uh, like I said a few weeks ago, I got to go on one of the flights to pick up a team that had been doing um, equipping of some pastors in, a, in one of the Indi Indian villages. And they had brought together a bunch of pastors from Indian tribes in that region, and they trained them on some Bible teaching skills. And the plane couldn't get into the actual village where they were at because of rain. And so the, the airstrip was made of sand, and it was too soggy. For the, for the plane to, to touch down there. So he told them they had to take a boat to the nearest uh, asphalt strip, which was a 12-hour boat ride in a boat without any roof on a hot, sunny day with a team of about eight people. And so they made their way winding down through one of these rivers, got on the plane, and I asked them there, I said, how long would it take if we couldn't get you by plane to Manaus today and you had to take a boat from here all the way back to Manaus? And they said, 48 more hours on what would be a nicer boat with hammocks. And I thought, wow. And I felt like it was a long flight, an hour and a half. I was kind of counting the time, like, okay, how long is this flight going to take? So 
the, the need for logistical service is huge. That's why I trained at Moody to be a, a pilot and a mechanic to go down and serve people in that way. The second major way that they serve people is with their counseling program. They have a pastoral and missionary counseling team, currently has four psychologists on the team, and they do remote and in-person counseling for the people who work in this region. One of the things they found is that this region has one of the highest suicide rates for pastors in all of the world. Because of the darkness and the remoteness of where these people are working, it's extremely difficult on the folks that are actually out there working in the jungle. So Alex and I developed a, a theme for our, our ministry down there, which is this idea that no one should be forgotten in the jungle. And that's what our heart is, is to go out and serve these people. My wife has long had a desire to work in counseling and, and serve pastors and missionaries in this way. So when we found this program a couple years ago that paired counseling with flying, we thought this is a great fit for us. And we went down and found that it truly looks like it will be a great fit for us. So we're very excited to be moving there next year. We have some, some further training to do, uh, some orientation and stuff to get ready to go down. But that's, that's where we're going, and that's, um, that's our heart. Uh, I wanted to show just a quick video, and then I'll introduce the, um, the prayer requests. There are about a million people without access to the gospel of Jesus in the Amazon region. People often live isolated and forgotten in small communities on the riverbanks of the rainforest. It can take several days, sometimes weeks, by boat to reach these places from Manaus, the capital city of Amazonas, Brazil. For this reason, God has given us the vision to spread the gospel using small planes. Loving God and our neighbor, we bring the good news of Christ to these people groups through the mission from heaven. By flying, we overcome physical barriers to share with local people the love of Jesus. Evangelistic tools, pastoral care, training and mobilizing the leadership of the local church and social development projects are the practical ways we accomplish the mission God gave us. Prayer, volunteer work, and donations are constant needs in order to help our team serve these communities. Let's fly together, be part of the mission from heaven, and help bless the unreached peoples of the Amazon. The, the prayer request come up there in a sec. Um, but the first prayer request I, I asked for on here today, and I'm just so touched that you guys are meeting here and invited us in and circling up to pray for us who you've never met. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, and so my first one would just be for a kind of a selfish request as a prayer for our family. Um, we're getting close to moving out of Spokane. That's coming up in a few weeks. 
Uh, we've had a daughter here that was born here. We had our other daughter basically grow up here. And so to say that leaving is easy would be not true. Um, we're excited to move on, but there's also some roots that we have to pull out to, to leave first. And so there are many transitions coming for our family, several stops along the way before we get to Brazil. So I would just ask for prayer for our family in that time, that we would continue to grow well as a family, that we would grow closer to God no matter where we go, and that there would be peace in our home. Um, the other thing I would ask for, similar to Matt's second one, I think, is staffing for the program down there. There's huge needs. They only have two planes. They could have 15 planes and be flying every day to serve the people down there. So we would ask for prayer for, for more people to come through um, the pipeline. And then for rain in the Amazon, this is a practical need. This is a big prayer request. They've had, this is the, the dry season right now down there, and it's been the driest dry season in, since they started tracking how much rainfall fell, falls in the Amazon. There are entire river systems that have dried up. Rivers that don't dry up are sandy riverbeds. It's like being in Tucson where there's rivers, but there's no water. Um, Tucson's where we're from. Uh, and this makes it hugely difficult for people that live out there who rely on the river for food, for navigation, for medical emergencies, you name it. They now have to hike out of the river areas. So this is a huge crisis down there right now. Temperatures are at least 10 degrees higher on average than they've ever been for the dry season, and the rain is just not there. Um, and this morning during the prayer circle, Matt mentioned that when we pray, we actually, we, we don't just pray without trusting that something can happen. And this is one of those things where it's like, should I even pray for this? Like rain, I mean, this is not my, this is out of my wheelhouse of power to pray for. But I thought we would, I would just ask for prayer for that. That, And, and as you pray for that, pray for the people who are, who are suffering because of the dryness. So those are the prayer requests. And I thank you so much. We'll have, we have some prayer cards as well if you want to follow along with us and, and remember to pray for us as we go. But thank you so much for having us today. Mm -hmm.